You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. Well, good morning, Mission Ridge. Thank you for joining us today. It's a beautiful Sunday morning. I actually like the change in weather just a tad. I just hope this doesn't mean that fall is already upon us. I'm, I could still use, I guess, use about eight more weeks of summer, but I'm not sure we're going to get that. Well, I want to start off this morning by talking about a story that comes to us out of Exodus. And when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and were at Mount Sinai, God tells Moses to have the people consecrate themselves, which means they basically meant they were going to take a bath. They were going to prepare themselves to have this conversation with God. And so the people go and they go through their ceremonial cleansing processes and they wait three days to hear from God. And honestly, the scene is hard for me to imagine because the people are at the base of a mountain and the mountain looks like it's on fire. And there's, it says that people could see the lightning and the thunder. I don't know what it looks like to see the thunder, but this is a crazy event. The earth shakes. I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> so, okay. We got all kinds of help today from the crowd. Um, the earth shakes, and it's the kind of scene today that my watch would tell me to seek cover. The other day, you know, lightning, thunderstorm took place. And whenever there's lightning strikes within five miles, my, my watch will tell me, take cover. This is that kind of scene. And then God speaks the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel. And when God gets done speaking, we find these words in Exodus 20. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. I think I would too. And they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen to you. But do not let God speak to us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. So out of all of Israel, there's going to be one person that hears from God. There's going to be one that has an intimate relationship with God. Is this what God intended? And honestly, I see this as a problem, and I see this as the problem that Israel faced for the next dozen generations or so. Because it tells us that 
Joshua spent time with Moses when Moses would spend time with God. And so Moses had one disciple. His name was Joshua. And when Moses passed on, when he was done leading the people of Israel, Joshua was left to lead Israel. But in Judges chapter 2, it tells us that when Joshua and his generation passed, that there was no one, that there grew up a generation that didn't know the Lord. Their discipleship failed because they were hoping that they could all work through one person. And maybe you've experienced that. Maybe, maybe your connection with God has always been through your mom or your dad or your grandmother or your grandfather. Or maybe your connection has always been through some spiritual giant in your life, a friend that has always epitomized what it means to follow God. Or maybe it's a pastor. Maybe that's me. I don't think that's what God intended. And I think Jesus came to change that. It's not me. I suggest to you today that the reason why we come together is so that together we can learn to live with Christ, live to know Christ, that we come together to know Christ. So we're going to get into Philippians chapter 3. And uh, if, if this is your first week with us, um, you could catch up on the previous weeks. We are in week five of a six-week series. Logan kicked us off. We looked at the Messiah poem found in, in a portion of uh, chapter 2 because that seems to be the hinge point of the whole conversation that Paul is, happen, is having with this Roman town, this church, this small church in a Roman town. And then I presented week two, and we talked about what it looks like to be humble and how joy and worship are components of, of us gaining humility as we bow ourselves before the Lord over and over and over again. Humility is a byproduct of that and how we saw that in Paul's life. And then Logan talked about how we're a light to the world, that we're a beacon when we live out the life that Christ lived. And then last week, Brandon talked about a couple examples, Timothy and, and Epaphroditus, and how they had built community. Paul had built community and how that community supported to him. So now we're into uh, Philippians 3. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now, when we started this series off, we told you that this is a very Roman town. There's not a lot of Jewish influence, but apparently there is some level of Jewish influence, maybe some Jewish preachers coming through, some, some Jewish Christians, Christ followers that still are hanging on to this concept that in order to follow Christ, you have to become Jewish. 
which was really solved at the Jerusalem Council. And you can listen to our sermon on that from June 23rd, called the Jerusalem Council. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. He says he was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, which was one of the blessed tribes, one of the tribes that received a double blessing, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, Paul says he is blameless. Paul says he is blameless. This is the American church equivalent of having the right family, going to the right denomination, going to the right private school, having the right label, whether that's evangelical or Republican or liberal, depending on which group you want to be a part of, having the right theology, having the right lifestyle. Paul says, all the boxes, I could check them off. If anyone has the right to put confidence in their spiritual heritage and spiritual accomplishments, Paul says, it is him. But maybe, maybe putting our dependence in our spiritual heritage and our spiritual accomplishments actually gets in the way of having a relationship with Jesus. And for some of us, like, we don't have that heritage. We don't have those accomplishments. What does it mean for us? Because Paul can say on, you know, that, that he, he could check off those boxes, but the people he's writing to, they don't have that history. They're not Jewish. They're not Hebrew. They're not Pharisees. Paul's going to tell us that there's something better than having that heritage than having those spiritual accomplishments. Are they good to have? Yeah, I think they're really good to have. I hope we all create a heritage that people would aspire to. But maybe that's not the most important thing. Continuing on in Philippians 3, 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever gain I had, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. That word there basically means dung. I count them as dung. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, when Logan shared about 
the Messiah poem, right? That's found in, in uh, Ephesians chapter two. When he shared that poem, do you remember what he said was missing from the poem? It drove him crazy. Resurrection. And I wonder, I wonder if, if Paul left out that part of the poem to make people like Logan go, what are you talking, what are you doing? Like the resurrection is so important. Why aren't you including this in your poem? Did he, did he leave it out so that we brought it here, brought it in right here, they'd have more punch? Or maybe the poem never had it in the first place. We don't, we don't know. Okay. All kinds of help today from the, from the crowd. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask, stop asking questions, apparently. <laughs> I'm getting answers. God took Paul through a process where he lost everything so that he would become dependent on his relationship with Christ. Paul had prestige. He had the right family, the right church, the right school, the right living. To the people of Israel... He's what everybody aspired to. In Matthew 7, Jesus says these words, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many wonderful works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And over the years, as I've read that part of the uh, Sermon on the Mount, my prayer response has been this, Lord, would you say that to me? Would you say, I never knew you? I, it's so easy for me to get involved in doing church. Attended church service three times last month. Check. Attended care group two weeks ago. Check. Actually, it was three weeks ago now. Uh, walked past my Bible. Check. Got, got the Christian radio blaring in my car. Check. Are you experiencing Jesus in all that? Is he experiencing you? Is there this bi-directional conversation happening? Or are we just filling in boxes? Just filling in check marks? Are you in step with Jesus? Are you going where he leads? Because he says, my sheep know my voice. Matthew 25, Jesus says this, when the son of man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, there will be, 
Uh, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he'll separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll place the sheep on his right, but the goats will be on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry. And you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me and naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison. And you did not visit me. Then they will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, I don't know if you know this, but shepherds in Israel, they have sheep and goats as part of their flock. And apparently the, the sheep eat one thing and the goats eat another thing. So there's no competition there. In fact, I guess the goats will eat just about anything, but what sheep will eat including your shoes and your socks and anything else you leave laying around. Um, and the sheep and the goats actually provide different things to the family. So that's beneficial. But there's a major difference between the sheep and the goats when it comes to the shepherd. The sheep will actually pay attention to and follow the voice of their shepherd. The goats are like my daughter's dog. <laughs> he just goes wherever he wants. If he wants to come to you, he comes to you. But there's something better going on. He's going to go to that. <laughs> he does whatever he wants to do. And maybe that's why Jesus is using this sheep and this goat analogy. Abraham was commended for obeying God's voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Paul says that he considers everything rubbish compared to knowing Christ. He says that I may know him. And this is, this word for know, is, it's, it's not like intellectual knowledge. It's this experiential knowledge. It's this relational 
knowledge. They may know him and the power of his resurrection. I don't think Paul's talking about when life ends and Jesus comes back. I think Paul's saying, I want to know his resurrection today. I want to see that power lived out today. What if God wants to do crazy good stuff in Missoula today? Are we ready for that? Are we ready for him to do what only he can do? And may share in his sufferings. I think when we minister to people, that's how we share in his sufferings. And that word share is koinonia, which is a relational term. It means a deep abiding relationship. It's an intimacy that we could be intimate with Jesus as we share in his sufferings. I don't know about you, but have you ever gone and visited someone in jail? If you haven't done that, what happens as you enter into the jail, they shut the door behind you. And as you sit down with the person that you're visiting, they shut that door behind you. So there's several locked doors between you and freedom. And the only difference between you and that person that you're visiting during that time frame is they are wearing a bright orange jumper. Unless that was your choice. <laughs> unless that's what you chose to wear, that was your... <laughs> I don't know, maybe some of you have some bright orange jumpers that you just like wearing around town. Um, that's the only, like, you are in prison when you're visiting with them. Your freedoms are temporarily given up. When we visit people in the hospital, they would probably rather be at the beach just like you would. You give something up. It costs you time or energy or freedom to minister to people, to meet someone with a, that has a financial burden and help them, to visit someone who is sick, to provide clothing to those who need clothing. That's how we share in his sufferings. Paul goes on and says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Does he have a perfect understanding, a perfect relationship with the Lord? No, but he's pressing towards it. Because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Paul presses on, presses into what Jesus is calling to because Jesus has made him his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. My friends, I have made so many mistakes when it comes to my experience and my relationship with the Lord. There's been so many times where God has called me to something better or called, called me to trust him in a brand new way. And I'm like, uh, you might as well, there might as well be a mountain on fire in front of me and lightning and thunder that I'm seeing. Like, I don't want to go. I want someone else to go. 
God calls us to scary things sometimes. But when I've pressed into those scary things, when I've gone and let him be God and let him be out in front, I have seen him do miracle after miracle. And when he called our family to Missoula to be part of this community, I had to go because I want to continue to experience Jesus in that way. I can't turn my back on him any longer. I'm going to press forward. I'm going to forget about the mistakes like a, like a good defensive back, right? <laughs> good defensive back has to forget the last play. If the, if, the, if the receiver makes a fantastic catch and you're the defensive back guarding that receiver, you have to forget about that last play because the next one could be your opportunity for an interception. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. When we enter into a relationship with Jesus, he will call us up. He'll call us to better things. He'll lead us to live a better life. We'll become a better father, husband, unless you're a wife. <laughs> Then he'll call you to a better, being a better wife. And it's, and it's no longer about keeping track of whether or not you've made it to church this week or to care group. Like you're just living out your relationship with Jesus and those things happen because, because that's what happens in relationship. I spend a ton of time with my wife because I love her. I spend as much time with my wife as I can and our lives are aligned because of our relationship. And it's the same with Jesus. Our lives become aligned. We don't have to worry. Paul says, I don't have to keep track of whether I'm a Pharisee or the tribe of Benjamin. I don't have to keep track of those things. I am becoming a better person and I am doing the things that God has called me to do. And God's kingdom is moving forward because of my relationship. Only let this hold true to what we have attained. So the implication is this. Live, live to know Jesus. Live, like let your life be shaped in such a way that you have no choice but to know Jesus. Like you're going to go where he goes. He's going to lead. You're going to ask him the questions. It's going to be awkward. What do I do with this? I'm waiting for an answer. It's hard. It's challenging. People that say that Christianity is a crutch, that Christianity just makes life easier. I don't know about you, but life seems harder <laughs> when I'm living by faith. When God's in charge of my Big questions of life. Where do I go? Who do I work for? What do I do? Who am I married to? How do I treat my kids? Like when he's in charge of all that kind of stuff, it seems harder in some sense. It takes courage. But so worth it. Live to know Jesus. There's nothing better. And the application is this. First, we start off by accepting his invitation to relationship. Jesus has pursued us. I knew that God was pursuing me. 
I knew he was pursuing me, but I still had a choice to make. Like I could tell that God wanted a relationship with me, but I had a choice to make. Be a disciple who learns in community what it means to go where your shepherd leads. Like we have to figure this out together. This is what care group is about. Moses had one disciple. Joshua had apparently none. He was the son of none, wasn't he? It's a joke. <laughs> um, Moses had one disciple, and his disciple didn't have any disciples. Guys and gals, we have been discipled. People have led us in our understanding what it means to be in relationship with God. We have to continue to carry that baton and pass it along. We have to figure this out together. What does it look like to go where Jesus leads? Look in the scriptures daily to determine how your rabbi wants you to live. That's how you tune your ear to his voice. I read not my Bible not because it's required of me, and it is required of me. I'm a pastor, right? But I need my own time with Jesus, my own personal time. And I try to have a time every day. 20 years ago, I felt guilty if I didn't do it. Oops, didn't do it again today. Shame. Didn't do it again today. Shame. Didn't, like there was this shame cycle that I had 20 years ago. But it's a relationship. It's a living, breathing relationship. It's not about guilt. It's about connection. It's not about checking a box. It's about knowing Jesus. And share in the sufferings of Christ through acts of service. Now, if we go where Jesus leads and we do the things that Jesus asks us to do, he'll always ask us to do more than what we can without him. Feeding of the 5,000 is a perfect example. Disciples come to Jesus and they say, the people are hungry. And he says, you feed them. They're like, we didn't do that. Well, Luckily for them, they had Jesus in the corner. And when we go and do the things that Jesus calls us to, it'll always be bigger than we expect. And we're going to be, uh, it's going to cause us some angst. But if we press into it, if we press on, if we go anyway, we go, yeah, I'll do that, even if it is bigger than me then we get to experience the resurrection power of Jesus. And we'll fellowship in his sufferings and we'll become like him in his death, which was the epitome of the humility that we see found in the Messiah poem. And our world will be forever changed because we chose to believe that our God loves us. So in a moment, we're going to take time to remember Jesus and just reflect on him. And we're going to do that through communion. 
And we have an open table here at Mission Ridge, which means that if you are here to celebrate Jesus as Lord and Savior, then you could partake with us. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to come up and grab the elements, which is the bread and the juice, and then take it back to your seat and hold on to them, and we're going to take them together. But this is an opportunity to remember what Jesus was willing to do for us so that we could be in relationship with him. So as you think about this sermon, what it means to live in order to know Christ, reflect on that as you come and grab the elements. Come and grab. We're going to have to teach our youth what rhetorical questions are. These are questions where you know the answer, you just don't say it. <laughs> hmm. Communion comes out of the uh, Seder meal, which is celebrated each year by the Jews as they remember the Exodus. And it is a time for children, so this is a great time for us to partake with our children. When the uh, it's an experiential celebration. In other words, by touching the bread and drinking the juice, it should. When all of your senses are involved in a memory, you know it brings meaning. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then with the cup, Jesus actually uses marriage language that his disciples would have recognized. Jesus is saying, I want an intimate relationship with you that will continue on beyond this moment. And so it's an opportunity for us to say yes to Jesus. Jesus, you are so important to me that I give you my life as you gave me yours. Let's do this in remembrance of him. Oh, Lord, what a great opportunity to be in relationship with you. Lord, I want to continue to tune my ear to you, to your voice, to know where you're leading, to do the kinds of things that you want me to do today. I know that you say that the Father is always at work. Does my work match his work? Am I joining him or am I asking him to join me? Jesus, I want to do as you did and say that only what... I only speak the words that the Father tells me to speak, and I only do the works I see the Father doing. I pray that we could know you like that, and out of that relationship, people would find it so attractive that they want to be part of that too. Thank you for the, your sacrifice, the way you humbled yourself, even to the point of death on a tree. We love you and we rejoice over you, our God, our King. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. 
Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.